Hey podcast, welcome to another episode. I've got Ozzy back on today. So for those of you who've heard the episode we did about our 24 hour ride, you know all about him. But Ozzy's basically my uh, best and only friend. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely the truth though. Um, We go riding together all the time, probably see each other several times a week, train together, go mountain biking together. um... Sauna, steam room. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Sometimes with clothes. (laughs) So I thought it'd be good today to get Ozzy on because he's also a PT as well I should say so he's been a PT for five years five years five years um you can go back and listen to his life story if you want in the last episode we kind of like go more into who Ozzy is but um yeah it's gonna be good we're gonna chat about random things really so we did a coaching day recently with Elliot Heap me and Ozzy together so we're gonna have a chat about takeaways we took from that um, but we're going to start off with a few annoyances that we've both kind of got at the minute. We're not actually fuming about them, but I think they'll be quite interesting learning points. So Ozzy's going to start with, with his. Uh, so what we'll do before he starts off, enjoy today's episode. I'll give you the short intro music because you can't miss out on that. And then we'll get cracking. Right, Ozzy, over to your minor serious annoyance recently. Yes, if anybody's listening to this in headphones, please just go to the bottom of your stairs. <laughs> Take your phone with you, go to the bottom of the stairs, try and walk up the stairs without your knees going over your toes. It's very, very difficult. The reason I'm asking you to do this is because when anybody tells you that you shouldn't squat with your knees going over your toes, they are wrong. (laughs) There's not many times when I will say that somebody is fundamentally incorrect, but this is just wrong. (laughs) Your knee is designed to flex and extend. Your ankle joint is designed to dorsiflex. So when you squat, your knee can go over your toes. It's actually incredibly good for your knee health. If you never let your knee go over your toes and you walk around like a duck, you'll have terrible (laughs) knee health. There we go. You can tell I'm very passionate about that. That's the beginning. (laughs) It came about because I think one of Ozzy's clients mentioned to him the other day that they were asking him about whether you're allowed to pass your knees over your toes or not and whether, like, it's dangerous. And it's I don't know where the myth comes from, actually, but you do hear it, like... You don't hear it as much nowadays. I used to hear it all the time, like, seven years ago, six years ago. Um, but it's not as common. But it's basically a common myth that when you're squatting, that your knees can't pass over your toes. And it's uh, lunging as well is another yeah, one. So yeah. you're still seeing some classes. I know some of the classes at the gym that we um, train clients out of. I'll, I'll train somebody for the first time who's done classes for two or three years and they'll say that the class instructors always stop them passing the knee over the foot. I think the idea behind it is there's too many shearing forces on the knee. But essentially, especially for mountain bikers, if you think about the forces that go through your knees when you're riding, um, you really don't need to worry. So that myth, if you're ever worried about your knee passing over your toe whenever you're training or doing anything like that, you really do not need to worry. Um, Sophie's calling me now. <laughs> should we, we should get her on the podcast on phone. Um, <laughs> get it on speaker. Uh, one other thing that came to my mind the other day. So this is, it's probably kind of relevant to you. Um, 
every now and again you'll see that I put training videos on that kind of thing on my Instagram. So the other day, me and Ozzy actually were doing rack pulls. So a rack pull, for those of you who don't know, is like a deadlift, which is basically lifting a bar off the ground and picking up and standing up with it. And a rack pull is when you do that to about half extension. So you set the bar up about halfway up and then you just do the top portion. And it's basically just the top portion of a deadlift. So it works your lower back more. Um, it allows you to lift heavier. They're just a really, really good exercise. It's just working on that top half of the deadlift rather than the bottom half. And you don't have to worry about your technique as much. Uh, and one guy, I don't even know if I told you this, have I? What no. you? Oh, this is us. I'm telling oh, this Aussie yes. live. He's going to love this. So one guy messaged... I put the video on my Instagram, like just a video of rat pulls. Here's what we're training. And one guy messaged me being like, um, stupid exercise, only doing half reps, complete waste of time. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up, like obviously you get trolls every now and again, um, but it kind of like, it brings up a bigger kind of picture of training in that you can't isolate one exercise and say yes it's good no it's not because you need to understand kind of like the bigger picture of why someone's doing something so if you just see that somebody's rack pulling or doing you know if someone was doing a dumbbell curl and only doing half a rep for example or if they were doing like a quarter of a squat it's impossible to know whether that's beneficial for that person or not without knowing why they're doing that exercise. So like the rat pulls for us, I don't just do rat pulls. We do full deadlifts. We do like squats going nice and deep. You do other exercises that are full range of motion. Uh, but the reason that I put it like, the reason that I bring it up isn't to moan. Like, you know, I, I could care less. I don't, don't really moan about stuff much. It's more to, I thought it was a good educational point that you don't want to take something you can't see an Instagram post and say, yes, that's good. Yes, that's bad. So like you'll see pro athletes, for example, doing balancing on um, gym balls, for example, or doing juggling on gym balls. And then it can go one of two ways. You can say, yeah, that's absolutely stupid. Or you can say, did you bring that up on purpose? <laughs> you did, didn't you? Oh, you, you I was just not a fan of her balancing uh, exercises. Get a BOSU ball, <laughs> Love a BOSU. <laughs> but the reason you bring that up is because it depends on what you're doing it for. Um, so like the BOSU ball is a good example, for example. If you were trying to get as strong as you could on, let's say you did a... What's a random exercise? A shoulder press on a BOSU ball, for example. That's exactly what just came to my head. If you did that exercise with the aim of getting as strong as you can in a shoulder press, it's a complete waste of time because you're not going to be pressing as heavy as you could be pressing if you were stood flat on the floor. However, if you were doing it for a kind of balance coordination exercise, just as like, of like knock you off balance, have a bit of fun in the gym... I would argue, Ozzy would disagree here, that that's fine. For more fun, I'd agree. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. <laughs> Unless you're going to enter a competition where you need to lift weight over your head on a bouncy castle. <laughs> <laughs> but the person might be doing that, you never know. <laughs> but if they're doing it with a smile on the face, it's okay. <laughs> the reason I bring all of this up is that for sort of like, both from, from one point of view, you can't look at someone's workout on Instagram and just see one exercise and know whether it's a good thing to be doing or a bad thing to be doing or just label it as a bad thing and on the complete flip side of it as well sometimes you'll see pro athletes doing especially like the red bull athletes doing crazy stuff for social media like every now and again you'll see obstacle courses so you'll see them where they like walk on a foam roller and then jump on a gym ball and then do something onto a rope and then do something else and that's like such a tiny tiny percentage of their training like that probably takes up 0.5 percent of the training they're just doing it for a bit of fun bit of 
change. It's probably at the end of the workout. The bulk of their workouts is, and I know this from actual Red Bull coaches, there's been some on the some of the podcast. The bulk of the workouts is things like squats and deadlifts and bench presses and shoulder presses and cleaning presses and all that kind of thing. So it's important that you a don't look at something and say that's a bad exercise. And you, you're probably not the type of person who would do that if you're listening to this podcast anyway, because it, that's generally a I know everything type mindset. Or on the flip side, you also don't want to look at something that someone's doing on Instagram and say, I should definitely do that because they're doing it for a reason and you need to know the whole story behind it. Yeah, you can justify every single exercise. Mm. So for me, if I program a step up in a workout i'm looking at that because the person that i have prescribed that to might have really poor ankle dorsiflexion and they need to be able to walk up and down stairs more effectively so the step up is there to help them be able to move better in everyday life but somebody might look at it and go well why is he making somebody just unload him stand up and down on a step but they don't know why. The reason. It's the justification. It's exactly the same as if somebody is doing a partial rep on a bicep curl. Yeah. You don't know does, the reason behind does it. Does a bicep curl come into everyday life? Not really, but if that person feels better having bigger biceps, then that's the justification for it being in a workout. As long as the person can justify it, I think there's every right to for it to be in a workout. Even going back to the balancing and that the Red Bull stuff, those walking across a string and balancing on a foam roller and stuff that's really stimulates the central nervous system so if you do that in your warm-up yeah. to help stimulate all the muscles in the on the underneath of the foot yeah, stimulate true. your quads your calves so that when you then drop into that squat everything's fired up that is justifying why that person might be doing that or as a warm-up before a mountain bike ride (laughs) let's all start doing a circus exercise (laughs) but yeah that's it i think the overall riding point with all of that is that it's the reason why i'll give you another example that i was telling ozzy about um so one of my clients in the gym um i was training the other day now she's not a mountain biker she's just an average kind of person who just comes into the gym two three times a week to train you know, lose weight, get fitter, all that kind of thing. Now, she's got really bad knees. She's got arthritis in her knees. So, A, she's really, really self-conscious about it, first of all. And B, she physically doesn't have the range of motion that somebody without it in the knee would. So, you can lie her on a front and push a foot as far as it'll go. And, like, you'll get to a point and the knee physically won't bend any further. Um, now, the, she struggles with a lot of, like, squats and leg presses and those kind of exercises just because it hurts her to do them. But a lot of them are really beneficial for her to do so she was on a leg press the other day and then she was locking out her right leg at the top of it we're on a really lightweight 30 40 kilos something like that so there was no risk and she was locking out a right leg at the top of every rep then doing the leg press and locking out on each one and the reason that she does that is because it makes her feel a lot more comfortable it gives a knee or the muscles around knee like a brief rest and she just feels better doing that like it hurts her less to do that now generally the advice on a leg press would be don't lock out your legs completely at the end and relax your muscles. Like you want to keep a bit of tension in the muscle and just go so it's completely straight and almost locked out, but not completely locked out and relaxed. But in this case, for my client, it's absolutely fine for her to lock out a leg because that feels more comfortable for her and she gets more out of the exercise. 
if she holds it at the top, a leg hurt, her knees hurt more, and she has to do less weight, less reps, or stop earlier on the exercise or do less sets. Uh, and a guy came up to us, some completely random guy in the gym, and kind of interrupted, and he was like, can I just say, are you sure that this person should be doing this exercise? I was like, oh, yeah, we're fine, thanks, mate. I was like, oh, that looks really dangerous. <laughs> and I kind of, like, laughed it off. I was like, yeah, yeah, cheers, mate. And luckily, my client didn't hear. But first of all, like, I'm not bothered. You could come up to me and call me every name under the sun. You're not going to embarrass me. I'm not bothered. But my client's really self-conscious about her knees, so if she'd have heard that, that would have like upset her in the gym. Um, you know, she may, she already gets nervous coming into the gym. It could have put her off coming into the gym even more. So there's that side of it where I would say not that people listening to this would necessarily do this, but if you see somebody doing something wrong in the gym unless it's properly dangerous don't ever like correct some randomer in the gym because you don't know the effect it's going to have on that person and if you do do not say it like that yeah exactly do it in the right way and like secondly if... what job does that guy do because yeah. i want to walk into his <laughs> office just stand there for a minute and go are you sure that's the right way of doing this? <laughs> I mean, I've had zero training and not done any courses to know what your job is, but you're definitely doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, Who in the right mind thinks that they can do that? You never walk into a doctor's surgery and say, you're prescribing the wrong yeah, drugs. It's so true. It's so, so true. Exactly. Um, I agree with us completely on that. But the other side of it, and it kind of pulls into the bigger message with all of this, is that you don't actually know the reasons that people are doing something. And for some people, they'll be doing something wrong in the gym and they're just doing it wrong. They don't know why they're doing it. But you also don't know, like with my client, for example, it's completely thought through. She was straightening her leg out for a reason. And you, A, you definitely don't want to interrupt someone else and tell them to stop. But just kind of think about everything you're doing in the gym, like why you're doing it. Is there a reason behind it? Is the overall message that I kind of like wanted to get across to you with this. Uh, I'm sure if you're listening and you've got some gym annoyances, you should message them. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, please. I would love to read through them and go through them all. <laughs> uh, send them in an email to matt at mtb.fitness. And if uh, if I get a few in, I'll read them out on the next podcast. That would be interesting. Sort of like things that annoy you in the gym. Um, and not for the sake of just moaning, but just because it can be a larger like... Uh, Educate. The reason I brought up these things is because they're quite interesting. Like they're quite, it's it's fun to get off my chest. <laughs> well, but yeah, it but is like these, educational. These as well. myths that, that these myths usually come from people who aren't edu- aren't as educated yeah. or yeah. are scared because they don't know it. So yeah, they yeah. don't ask questions. They just they 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 create a reason behind. Right. Well, we can't do that because the knee shouldn't be able to go there. Oh, I've just been looking at the picture on there with the mountain biker guy. He's pointing my laptop. I, and I was, ju- I was actually just looking at it and going, you know what? The rack pull is an excellent exercise for mountain yeah, bikers. Oh, yeah, totally. Because yeah. where the bar sits yeah, onto exactly. the rack it's actually a lot closer. is exactly the same position as how you would be when you're on a downhill. Yeah, exactly. So if, if you, you needed can, to bunny up. If you can create tension and be strong in that position, then you're winning. Yeah. So... Whoever that guy is, you're wrong. (laughs) 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 But it's true. Like, it's so true. There's a... There's a reason for like, or there should be a reason for everything in your workout anyway. That's the point I wanted to get across with this. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so send in your annoyances to myimtb.fitness. <laughs> now away from that, I thought we could talk a little bit about the uh, coaching day that me and Ozzy did with Elliot Heap. So I've already done pretty much the same 
the same coaching day. It was my birthday on the 22nd of November last month. So Sophie got me another coaching day with Elliot. So it was really good. Ozzy came along and it was just me, Ozzy and Forced Elliot. along. Forced <laughs> along. Yeah, he did. I kind of like guilted him into it. <laughs> guilted me into it. What actually happened was he rang Elliot and then passed me the phone and said, someone's on the phone. <laughs> That's the truth. We were just out on a ride and I was like, oh, you should come. And he started researching it. And then all of a sudden the phone was ringing and Elliot went, oh. <laughs> and then Matt just put it in my hand and went, you need to talk. I'm like, oh, okay. It'll benefit him, okay. <laughs> but I thought, what um, what were some takeaways that you took from the day else? Oh, put me on the spot straight away then. Thanks. And what are your views on bolsey balls? Uh, <laughs> as long as you do it with a smile. <laughs> uh, takeaways from the day. Uh, how important your positioning on the bike is. I knew, so I could tell the difference. When I first started riding, I didn't have a bike with a dropper post. So I found I didn't know how beneficial it would be to have a dropper post and how it would enable me to get my hips even further back over the back end. So I'd feel more comfortable in the downhills. Um, but after spending time with Elliot and dialing that technique in a little bit more, I realized how much more efficient I was on a downhill, i.e. where my legs were, where my the angle of my knee how I was actually tensing much less. I wasn't as tense going downhill because of the position and because so what was I the wasn't difference as in the nervous. Position? So this is the, at the beginning of the day, we learned like, oh, Elliot showed us the attack position, which you, you know the attack position, but the biggest difference, I've spoke about this before that I sort of like last year when I went with Elliot, was how low to get your heels. Like he drops them as low as they will physically go to like the bottom of a stretch. Um, but what was the difference with your attack position? Because you had an idea what an attack position was. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't just like arms locked out and legs locked out when he when he came. But what was the difference? I wasn't that you far looked? enough back. Okay. Um, and my knees, my knees, my knees weren't bent enough, and I wasn't far enough back. So my legs were, I was almost straight. You know, like legs straight, sticking my okay, bum back. Okay, so you weren't bending your legs <clears> enough. Rather than having my knees bent and my bum back, so I was much lower with the knees bent. Yeah, I was, was going to say it's probably not. The, in my opinion, it's probably not. It might feel that you're further back on the bike, but actually, you're probably just lower. Like a lot of yeah, like dropper pulls help you does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was yeah, squatting deeper down. A lot, for those that are listening, a lot of what the dropper, I mean, to be honest, everybody probably has a dropper post who's listening to this, but it just helps you move a lot more on the bike, like like Ozzy said, back and down and out to the side and move around a lot more. Um, but sorry, yeah, go on. So you find that you get your weight back more easily. Which mainly, I know we always joke about our skill level, but things like wheelies and manuals, yeah. but I also didn't realise the value of being able to do those two um, techniques purely because it mimics the same position or a similar position to what you want to be in when you're on the downhill, but also how it then helps you in the downhill if there's any obstacles you need to uh, overcome. To get over them, you need to be able to perform that position. Yeah. Um, so starting with that and working through those two techniques, I found really beneficial. Yeah, we spent about an hour doing basically doing manuals and wheelies. So wheelies for about half an hour and then manuals for about 20 minutes. Uh, and I sort of asked Elliot, like, when you get to the point where obviously we can both manual and wheel it over something, you can get up and do two, three pedal strokes, like, consistently. You can always get the front end up on a manual. 
but I was asking Elliot why he thinks it's so important to be able to do like wheelies right down the street, for example, and manuals right down the street. And his answer was just, well, if you can do it for that long, then it's a piece of cake to do it on the trail. Like if you can wheel it and only do a couple of pedal strokes, for example, there's going to be the one time where you cock it up um, and don't get high enough or, you know, you don't get your front wheel up. But if you're, if you can do wheelies for a hundred meters, 200 meters, and you can wheel it right down the street, then, um, that's going to benefit you a lot more on the trail because it'll be a lot easier to do and a lot more natural. And Sophie's calling me, which means she might be outside the house. So I'm going to press pause and then come back in a second. <laughs> back to it. I just had to try and remember what we were talking about. Um, yeah, if you can learn to do a really good manual for a good length of time, if you can learn to do a really good wheelie with a good length of time, for a good length of time, um, you'll just find it easier to do on the trail. Uh, one thing that I've really been sort of working on over the past let's say eight weeks is my wheelie. So I just decided like I can wheelie for five, six pedal or I could say 12 weeks ago, I could wheelie for five, six pedal strokes like consistently, but I couldn't wheelie well. So on an, any obstacle on the trail, I could get over with a wheelie. Like that was never an issue, but I've never practiced kind of like the car park wheelie, if you like. And then about eight, probably since September, since I started riding again after my wrist, I was like, right, I really want to get the wheelie nailed, so like, I've been driving Aussie mad and nearly knocking him off the bike all the time on climbs. Oh, I'm so disappointed you mentioned that, I was just waiting to say, so how straight were you when you were doing these wheelies, Matt? Well, you have to kind of like preempt the abuse you're going to get, <laughs> if I make the joke already. <laughs> so, uh, like, on, on climbs, I've just been wheeling like loads and just doing it and cocking it up and doing it and messing it up and doing it and messing it up and the difference is massive in fact i saw someone at the i might have said this on the last podcast if i've said it twice then i need to stop stop humble bragging about my wheelies getting better <laughs> but um, i'm sure i said this on the social ride on the last one I rode with someone I've not ridden with for about 12 weeks, something like that. And he said how big a difference you can notice. And it was interesting because I always used to say to myself, oh, I can't wheel it. Oh, I can't wheel it. Oh, I can't wheel it. And when you say to yourself, I can't wheel it and then try to wheel it, obviously you can't wheel it, you don't do it. But when I went from doing five pedal strokes to seven and then seven to 10 and then 10 to 15 and whatnot, you kind of think like, well, if I can improve it from five to seven why can't i go from seven to ten and then when you get to ten you're like well there's no reason i can't go to 100 pedal strokes it's just a matter of time but the biggest thing if you if there's anything you want to improve on the bike that i've learned kind of over the last eight to twelve weeks is that it just literally just takes practice like i drive aussie mad on the climbs because i'm always just like messing around wheeling but it's got so much better it's really interesting like seeing how much better it's got i'm starting to get to the point now where i can get to that balance point and ease off the pedals and then keep pedaling and then ease off a bit and just getting better all around like it feels much more natural but it is literally just time of doing it like i'm probably doing it i don't know 50 to 100 times maybe 50 60 times a ride at the moment i'd say i sort of like do like a mini wheeler would um, you say you also commit to it more yeah but that's through practice because i used to be scared of going over the back because i was going to say is it is is part of it the practice aspect or part of it that you're also committing more to it both but i think i'm committing more to it because i've practiced it more okay so like you know like um you kind of you get the more you the more time you spend being uncomfortable, it becomes comfortable being uncomfortable. So what that thing was that made you uncomfortable just becomes more comfortable. Can I say comfortable anymore in that sentence? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you probably like you're another log, so like you understand what I mean. Like you're uh, 
steep downhills as an example, just to kind of answer the question in a long kind of way. So there's one kind of like steep shoot, if you can call it, you know, at Duffstone Reservoir, just down to the car park. You do. When you're riding at the top, there's been the uh, the long grassy bank. Oh, at the Duff... grassy bank. Yeah, yeah, the gra- there's like a grassy bank at Dovestones, which when I got into riding again a few years back, I used to think was the steepest thing in the world and completely unrideable. And I used to watch people send it down there and be like, how the hell can you ride that? Like, And now, like, I think I did it on the first ride back with my broken wrist. Like, it doesn't scare me at all. Um, so because I've ridden things much steeper and more technical and gnarlier than that, like, now that genuinely just seems really easy. Like, it doesn't scare me in the slightest. And that's just because I've ridden things that are harder and I got used to doing it. So to answer your question about am I getting better at wheelies because I'm committing more to it? It's because I'm practicing. So I'm getting used to feeling the balance point and then it doesn't scare me. I actually quite like getting the balance point now and I know that I can get on the brakes really easy to bring the front end down again. So I'm not as scared as going over the back. So yes, I'm committing more, but like as in committing more to the wheelie and really pulling up and getting it right up to the top. But the reason I'm committing more to it is because I'm not as scared of going over the back because I've done it loads. So I'm getting used to it. That makes sense. Thanks, Matt. There you go. <laughs> Dr. Ozzy in the house. There we go. <laughs> so what else did you learn? Oh. <laughs> um, neck. you really are putting me on the spot. Um, what else did I learn? Well, actually, that was one thing for me is that <clears throat> probably why I crash quite often. Is that Ozzy doesn't get scared on the bike? Is I that do. My commitment is greater than my technique. <laughs> <laughs> my technique is greater than my commitment. Your technique is definitely greater than your commitment. Um, yeah, I was really actually the the. This isn't as as such something that. I, well, yeah, actually, doing that drop at the end was a big thing for me. Yeah. Because that was the first time I dropped something that wasn't rollable yeah. since my crash. So building up to that after doing the day of getting yourself in the right position practice 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 just going over the technique over the technique we did rollable drops <clears> at the beginning and then at the end of the day it was a proper um, non-rollable drop it was about i'm five foot ten and it was just over belly button height so however high that is it, it wasn't rollable no it wasn't rollable <clears> at all like I mean, you would have been in a world of pain if you rolled it, <clears throat> it actually the the drop itself now we both could drop that height quite comfortably yeah, it was the fact yeah. that the landing was very narrow it yeah. was slippy there was no real well the entry it was entry. like the entry into it was like off a steep shoot and then you had to cross a road and then change direction and then go up a bit and then drop and the landing is really muddy and narrow and then there's a tree that if you get it slightly off you're gonna hit so it's like yeah i agree we could probably we could quite comfortably do the drop just onto a road or whatever but it's because it's gnarly and to preface all this aussie went over a drop at Gisborne and put himself in an air ambulance, which I remind himself where I remind him of at every opportunity. <laughs> Whenever there's an air, any, a, helicopter, any helicopter in the area, it's definitely there for us. <laughs> um, so obviously that's naturally like mm. putting yourself in an air ambulance from going off a drop head first. <laughs> Rub that in a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> what did it's, I do, Matt? <laughs> I don't remember it. <laughs> Just tell me again. Let me run you through step by step. That obviously leaves like a big scar. So for Ozzy to to do a drop was a massive thing and he just sent the drop and nailed it there was there was a couple of things going on it was the self-talk which i'd already committed before we even got to the top when we were cycling up the little and you knew we're about to do and i knew we're going to do it i'd already fully committed but i was still in my mind 
thinking, right, the last time we did something unrollable, it went badly. But instead of letting that be at the forefront of my mind, I recognised it. I was a little bit anxious about it, but then I went, but I've spent all day today prepping myself for this point. And at some point, I was going to have to get over this fear. So what better time to do it than after I've just been spending my day practice. So for me, it was the practice was massively important to then reinforce it by then going doing it but having the belief that when you go into it, number one, it's okay to recognize that if you're about to go down something steep and you're a bit scared, it's okay to recognize that, but make sure that you flip that and then when you are heading into it, you reinforce the positive things that you've done with the practice because I know that the reason I came off my bike initially was just naivety. I didn't know what I was doing. The reason I haven't then done anything since is because I no, you're not knew, naive. <laughs> I knew. I knew. No, I'm still naive. I just knew that I was. I didn't know how to do it. Um, whereas going into that drop, I was just telling myself. I was just going through the steps. I was breathing nice and nice deep breaths, and just telling myself, right, get into the right position. Everything will be okay. And if I was only eighty percent committed to that yeah, drop, that's it. of all the drops we could have done. That was the one that was that was sketchy. We 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 could go around here and do that drop at Dove Stones. Yeah, nice like and completely open. comfortable. And it's so no so much more better running and landing than that. Yeah. And I was hundred percent committed. So that was the other thing that I learned was that if you're going to go and practice your skills, you have to commit a hundred percent to it because otherwise, you let any doubt drop into your mind. Yeah. It's going to put you off. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I agree completely. I think you've got a full. It's more dangerous to not commit. The irony, if you're listening to this and you're, if you're a sort of, if you're a, what's the word for someone who's done something for a long time? Expert. No, if you're a, experienced, nearly expert. Yeah, experienced. That's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> It has to be the word I was looking for. Agree to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Experienced expert. You're an experienced expert. No, but you can't. You could be experienced without being an expert. Yeah, you can. (laughs) Anyway, experience was the word I was looking for. So, like, the experienced riders listening to this um, will be nodding, saying, yeah, you have to fully commit. But when you're a newer rider, your fear actually makes you crash more. So I remember when I started riding again, one thing I always used to do, I was scared in corners, muddy corners, because I used to wash out. And then because I was scared in muddy corners, I used to lean back away from the front wheel because I was kind of scared of it. It was just like your brain naturally moves away from the the point of danger. So in my head, this was all subconscious, the front wheel was dangerous because that was what washed out and put me on the floor. So I moved away from it. Now the complete irony to that is that because I was leaning off the front wheel, I wasn't putting any weight on it. So it used to wash out way more. So I used to crash all the time. And then the other side of it as well is that if I felt I was about to slip and I felt the front end go a little bit, I used to slam on the brakes. And obviously you'll know like a rolling tire has a lot of grip. If you lock up that front brake in in a muddy corner or a rooty corner, it's game over, you're hitting the deck. Um, so often when you are scared and you're not fully committed, you cause crashes and then that reinforces the fact that you're going to crash. Whereas now, because I'm a much more confident rider, I've got better technique, like I'll hit a corner mostly with the brakes off, but I always let it roll over it. So in a corner, even if I get scared, 
I'll get off the brakes. Uh, and today, actually, I nearly had an off today. Two years ago, I was telling Ozzy about this earlier. Two years ago, it would have 100% been a big crash, um, but kind of experienced benefiting me today so i was going down a slippy downhill the back end went out on me basically like to like 45 degrees and it flicked the front um so it was a proper proper sketchy moment now two years ago what would have happened as i was losing control was i would have slammed on the front and back brakes and then that would have been game over them because my front wheel was at 45 degrees i would have slammed on the brake it would have slipped and i would have come over the bars it would have been like bam i would have hit the ground but instead and it was just it wasn't a conscious thought it was just kind of what happened as I felt the bike going and completely getting out of control I opened my knees up I relaxed my grip and I kind of like dropped my chest a little bit and just relaxed and let off the brakes and the bike corrected itself and then I carried on riding and it was fine and I didn't actually get that scared uh, and the point with that is that that came off Aussie saying like you have to be fully committed to something the more committed you are to it the less chance you're going to hurt yourself so you have to like either go for it or if you've got any doubt that you're not going to do it like don't do it I shall carry on talking <laughs> uh, I thought I was talking too much I thought I'd let Aussie get a word in. I was going to say was that a pause for me <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what you wanted me to do there was another part I was going to carry on talking <laughs> I was just conscious that like, I could talk all day it's on this. interesting actually when having me having we it's interesting because we come at it from two slightly different angles you are the better technical rider than I am but I get more scared but you get more scared than me and I've caught up I think I've become a better rider quicker by riding with you just because I would follow you down stuff. Yeah, and I'd be sense. going down stuff like hanging on to my bike, <laughs> but I'm like, well, he's doing it yeah, so yeah. I can do it. And I'd just plow through and yeah. just hope I'd get to, I'd have sketchy moments all the time. <laughs> but then I also would crash a lot more than you would crash. Yeah. So it's, it's looking at it in two different ways. I'm fully committed to doing things, but I crash more. Yeah. You, but it doesn't mean that the way we come at it is 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 wrong. We, you are. So I would argue that I used to do that when I got into riding, and I used to crash all the time. I used to kind of fake it until I made it. Not to the level like you're you're a better rider now than I was when I was falling off all the time by a long way. Um, but when I first started riding, I was properly just fake it till you make it. I was like, just try and put fear to the back of my head. And I just used to try and ride stuff without skill. And I just used to crash literally two or three times every ride for about six months. And then in the end, I had a massive crash, really hurt my ankle. I was on crutches and everything like that. Um, tore my ligament as bad as I could do before it completely snapped. And then that would have been like six months recovery or whatever. Um, and then I was like, this is stupid. I actually need to get the skills and then build up. So I think there's, I could be a braver rider and I would definitely be better. And maybe from what Ozzy said there, maybe Ozzy, like you Oz could learn, learn the technique more, which is what we're working on now. I think the, the best place to be is somewhere in between where you're not completely on the edge and falling off all the time. But I know I have the skills to go faster and do things that I don't do because I'm a little scared. Um, but you also don't want to be the rider who's doing things that are way beyond what you should be doing with no skills because it's going to end badly. And like we forget, like mountain biking is a proper dangerous sport. Like you can ultimately kill yourself or paralyze yourself. So what we wouldn't want to do is say, right, we're getting more confident with drops now. Let's go and send a 20-foot drop. Absolutely. Like, that would just be Absolutely. stupid. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. And that would be 100% committed, but it'd also be 100% committed to hospital. Anyone out there who's 100% committed, <laughs> don't do a 20-foot drop. Unless you're just a really because... good rider who can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think... Uh, 
yeah, it's about striking a balance. And I think, to be honest, the more you learn, the more you learn about you as a rider, the better you know what you can do, what you can't do, whether you've got the skills and you just need to push a bit harder or actually whether you need to back off and go and get a coaching day and learn how to do stuff, learn how to do stuff better. Yeah, I, I think riding, having a coaching day massively helps. Uh, I know that there's things on the social day that we did that I was so much better on those trails purely off the back like with the cornering don't you know when when you feel when you're going into a corner if you feel you're going with a bit too much speed don't slam the back brake on once you get to the corner don't touch your brakes even that for me I've never had anybody give me that sort of advice so going into the social ride then when we're in more berms and you know that sort of stuff, it really helped my riding, and I felt way more comfortable just because I wasn't always twitching on on the brakes. Don't you know how I love to hold my bike grip anyway? Ozzy <laughs> <laughs> naturally death grips the bike like he doesn't have one finger over the brake. He's quite happy death gripping it, and then when he wants the brakes, he puts his finger on the brake. So he'll go down hills death gripping. He's a nutter. <laughs> it was I can't remember which downhill we'd done but i was like i got halfway down there and realized i had no break <laughs> you're like how are you holding the grips i'm like like this like, you're an idiot <laughs> yeah keep your finger over the brakes come with the brake and the reason for that by the way the carnage the different people are listening to this i know most of you may know but if you don't know the reason you don't want to break into a corner is because a you don't want the tire to the bre- the wheel to lock up because then you lose traction and b you want to lean the bike into the corner as soon as you brake it leans up and kind of out of the corner so you're better going into a corner slower and letting off the brakes and being smooth through it like it makes a huge 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 difference to your riding um I say, for those listening, if you've never had a coaching day and you feel that your skills could improve, I hands down recommend it. Um, like it, it, it helps so much. It really, really does. Even if you, even if you're of the belief that your skills are up there, you spend a day with somebody like Elliot Heath. Oh, I yeah. guarantee you will learn something. Yeah guarantee it i think that's why it's so good going riding with elliot and his company ride mtb coaching and we don't like we paid for the course we don't get like um kickbacks for recommending him or anything um it's because like he's, he's right up there like he was junior ews world champion i think he finished like 31st or something this year in the elite category so no matter how good me and ozzy get unless we commit to trying to turn pro we're never going to be as good as elliot like we're not going to be riding for five six hours a day practicing to get to that level um so you could be you know you could be coming 10th at the hard rock or 10th or 5th or even you know standing on the podium uh, at your downhill races or your enduro races or even your cross country races but you're not going to be as good as somebody who's like way better than you and as well even you don't even have to necessarily you do to a certain extent have to ride with a better rider than you but having somebody watch your technique and film you and show you what you're doing and say try it like this can help you immeasurably anyway like um moving on to like strength coaches like strength coaches are never fitter than the athletes that they train they just know how to train them better so they can teach them how to ride better and how to squat better and how to do xyz without ever being better than the athlete and even though strength coaches will go and sit in a room full of other strength coaches and bounce ideas off each other because everyone will have a different opinion on how to do certain movements. So you can always learn. Yeah, I agree. You can always learn from each other. That's it. It doesn't matter who the person is. 
Um, have you got anything else you'd like to end the podcast on? I, f- I feel like you could have prepared me for some of these questions. <laughs> it was more fun not doing. It. I'll, I'll end it on a while. I'm gonna I'm gonna end it with, and then Ozzy can think of something to say. I'll I'll end it with giving a well done to Ozzy. So uh, I don't actually know if Ozzy knows this, but when he did that drop, he was on about. This is the thing I was gonna carry on talking about earlier. So Elliot didn't know that Ozzy had had the over the bars and ended up in an air ambulance, and he didn't know that he was obviously had some fears about drops for that because they're just not mentioning to him. He just kind of rocked up to get better at drops. And Elliot said to me afterwards when he was watching Oz doing the drop, you could see the fear in his eyes. And Elliot was really nervous watching him go down the drop. And when Oz landed, he was like, oh, thank God for that. And then I told Elliot about him doing the drop. And he was like, well, that's why, isn't it? And so I think it takes a lot of balls to get over your fear like that. So well done, Oz. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I feel like I need to even that out with some kind of insult now. Yeah, I'm waiting for the. <laughs> so go on. What's your finish? What's your finishing point? You, oh, I did really, you think of anything I in the last really minute? Thought of one. Um, when it, I'll go with something more training based because that's sort of where I would I would go with. Number one, please just enjoy your training. When you go into the gym and you're doing your your workout and doing the program, make sure you're doing it for you and you've got a smile on your face because it really winds me up when you see people doing exercises that they just either hate or they have no idea why they're doing it. If you're doing an exercise and you don't know why you're doing it, just don't do it. Yeah, Or find out why you should be doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Ask somebody who knows. But ask the right person. Ask an actual coach, not just a randomer on the internet because often randomers on the internet will shout the loudest like we are talking about earlier but don't necessarily know. I'm going to hijack your point there even though this was your point to end on. I was watching uh, the Shimano video, This Is Home, which is the series. So it's shot by Shimano. Uh, This Is Home is the series and this was the one with Richie Rude. And I was kind of like, I've watched the videos loads and I was like, I'm going to watch these with the coffee but try and take some points out of them that I can use. And one of the points that came up, Richie... uh, Richie Rude, you probably know, but he's like multiple EWS world champion, one of the best riders in the world. And he said that he absolutely loves training at home and sometimes he enjoys his training time at home in the off-season more than he enjoys racing because it's just a it's a challenge every single day to try and better himself and to try and get better. Um, and his mum said um, that when he's home, because he's only a young lad, I think he's like 21 or something, uh, his mum said that when he's home, he um, he just goes out riding all the time because he loves it. But I thought that mindset was really interesting. Like, he's probably one of the reasons that he is one of the best, or the best rider in the world, you could say. One of the reasons for that is because he absolutely loves training. And a lot of people have kind of in like, training something that they have to do but for him it's something that he wants to do and Ozzy's the same like Ozzy could train two or three times a day every single day like he absolutely loves it and if you can try and get that into your life then that's massively beneficial that is purely on I'm going to now hijack your point boom <clears throat> this is what we call a conversation <laughs> <laughs> you you have to look at why you're training as soon as you, if you're walking in the gym just to go on a hamstring curl because you think you need to do bigger, hamstring stronger curl. hamstrings, of course, when you leave the gym, you are going to you're going to hate that workout. Mm. If you're going into the gym with a purpose yeah. and you're even if it, even if you don't enjoy, let's say you don't particularly enjoy going into the gym, but you love mountain biking, as soon as you yeah. go into the gym and relate what you're doing in the gym, you're on that leg extension and you're pushing out 20 reps, you get into the end of it. Yeah, so, that's so. mimicking exactly the same 
energy system as when you are grinding up a steep rocket uphill and if you're sat on that leg extension going I need to get to 20 reps because when I hit that 20 reps next time I ride my bike I'm going to power up whichever local steep rocky trail you've got that's when you walk into and out of the gym knowing that you have had an awesome session because you're relating it to something that you love. Look at what you're doing, and it comes, same same thing, in the gym when you're training and with your nutrition. If you relate it to the bike and your performance and the love of mountain biking, then I guarantee your enjoyment in the gym and the mentality will switch. That's so true, and I think adding on to that, so I totally agree, having an actual real solid goal to work towards is a massive part of that, and then knowing, I think, on Ozzy's point, you have to actually know that what you're doing is benefit is benefiting your riding and kind of why. So that that like is a really nice segue into why you should buy my 12 week program. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ozzy. <laughs> but it, it is if you think like about what Ozzy said there is is exactly right. Like the gym in itself isn't necessarily enjoyable. Like doing doing a 20 rep leg extension, it just hurts. But if you're not doing it for if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. But if you're doing it for a real purpose, like Ozzy's just said then, it's actually you get a lot of pleasure out of it because you know it's going to benefit you. And I think sort of on from Ozzy's point from there is that you have to be doing a plan that you know is going to benefit your riding. So if you've got a plan that shows you how to ride, that shows you how to train to benefit your riding and you know that it's going to work, you know that loads of other people have done it and seen benefits from it, so you believe fully in the plan, and you can feel the benefits of every workout. When you're doing a leg press, you can, th- or when you're doing a step up, you can think, "Oh, this is kind of similar to pedaling my bike." When you're doing a bench press, for example, you can think, "Oh, this is kind of similar to when I push my bike down, uh, when I pump the bike." You enjoy training so much more. So as we're going up to the new year, and I very rarely do um, sales, whatever you call them, sales, I don't even know that sales pitches. There you go. Um, Definitely, if you're going into the new year and you're thinking you want to send your training and you want to send your your riding up to that next level, buy my 12-week program because it's a structured plan for you. It'll show you exactly what to do and you're going to the gym or train at home knowing that what you're doing is going to benefit your riding. So there's a completely unscripted, unplanned (laughs) sales pitch for my 12-week program. Go to mtb.fitness to buy it for the new year. (laughs) And can I go Goggins to finish? Yeah, yeah. Yes. You have to say who Goggins is, though. David Goggins. Oh, what a guy David Goggins (laughs) is. He is my absolute hero. Uh, Former Navy SEAL, pushes his body to the absolute limits. Um, that that's my water, but you can have it. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I've been drinking yours. Where's mine then? No idea. Anyway, back to David Coggins. Oh, mine's on the floor. There you go. <laughs> I um, just interrupted your motivational speech. I know speech my there. point. I was making such a good point. Right, I'll go straight into it. Um, this is like my challenge to you. This is this is my challenge to you over the to me or the listener. No, to the listeners. Oh, is that like halfway through my run this after this this afternoon? I was in like I was not in a good way. I just wanted to stop, but I knew that if I carried on going, I would callous my mind. I would be able to have the strength at any point moving forward on any other run to keep going. I've done it once. I can do it again. And I was that's because I was pushing myself. I was doing a distance that I've only ever done once before on the run. My challenge to you is go out and do a ride. Choose, are you going to do more elevation? Are you going to do a greater distance? But 
we do sometimes get into the habit and into a routine of doing the same distance, the same elevation, going into the gym, lifting the same weights with the same exercises. Challenge yourself, add an extra 10%, add an extra 20% or increase the elevation because at some point during that ride, if you want to increase your fitness, you have to push through a barrier of difficulty and that is essentially going to make you a better, fitter, stronger rider. So my challenge to you is increase by 10%, just something, and please tell Matt. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's a great challenge to finish with. And I think this could just go back, and these final points could go back and forth for ages because he talks, then I think of something. But I think the benefit, is, Aussie's right, if you do it once on a ride, you know you can do it again. Um, but as well, that passes on to life as well. So like training hard on the bike and in the gym like rubs off on the rest of your life so much more as well so when you go through particular hard times like what everybody goes through hard times whatever it is that you're suffering with or struggling through at the minute if you learn to push yourself hard on the bike it absolutely 100% correlates to pushing hard like in real life as well through whatever it is so I love that go and do that extra 10% like it'll massively benefit you and this is going to be a final final point I promise but when we did the um, 24 hour ride like we talked about it, we did a full podcast on it so go back and listen to it but that was 24 hours in absolute pissing down rain it was literally rained for about 70% of the time um and we got in the tent each time and it was legging it down. The tent was shaking. It was the worst weather at like 2 a.m. And we kind of got in the tent after every lap just for 30 seconds. And every time I did not want to get out of the tent. But you just had to get out of the tent even when you didn't want to do it. And I think like that idea of getting out of the tent and going doing what you don't want to do is like huge. And if you can, when you don't want to ride, when you don't want to eat the salad, when you don't want to do whatever it is you don't want to do when you don't going to want to train if you just do it you're teaching yourself that you'll do what you have to do and you sort of like you know that you're not the type of person that will just keel over and not do it so get out of the tent and teach yourself to get out of the tent and I love Oz's idea do the next ride um, and do 10% more in some way and then drop me an email matt at mtb.fitness and let me know how it went because that is a cracking idea and on that note Sophie's outside so we've got to go catch you later on Bye. <laughs>